Section 166 of Complete Original Short Stories of Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio. Section 166. The Corsican Bandit. The road ascended gently through the forest of Eton. The large pines formed a solemn dome above our heads, and that mysterious sound made by the wind in the trees sounded like the notes of an organ. After walking for three hours there was a clearing, and then at intervals an enormous pine umbrella, and then we suddenly came to the edge of the forest, some hundred meters below, the pass leading to the wild valley of Niolo. On the two projecting heights which commanded a view of this pass, some old trees, grotesquely twisted, seemed to have mounted with painful efforts, like scouts sent in advance of the multitude in the rear. When we turned round, we saw the entire forest stretched beneath our feet, like a gigantic basin of verdure, enclosed by bare rocks whose summit seemed to reach the sky. We resumed our walk, and ten minutes later found ourselves in the past. There I beheld a remarkable landscape. Beyond another forest stretched a valley, but such a valley as I had never seen before. A solitude of stone, ten leagues long, hollowed out between two high mountains, without a field or tree to be seen. This was the Niolo Valley, the fatherland of Corsican liberty, the inaccessible citadel from which the invaders had never been able to drive out the mountaineers. My companion said to me, This is where all our bandits have taken refuge? Ere long we were at the further end of this gorge, so wild, so inconceivably beautiful. Not a blade of grass, not a plant, nothing but granite. As far as our eyes could reach, we saw in front of us a desert of glittering stone, heated like an oven by a burning sun, which seemed to hang for that very purpose right above the gorge. When we raised our eyes toward the crests, we stood dazzled and stupefied by what we saw. They looked like a festoon of coral. All the summits are of porphyry, and the sky overhead was violet, purple, tinged with the coloring of these strange mountains. Lower down, the granite was of scintillating gray, and seemed ground to powder beneath our feet. At our right, along a long and irregular course, roared by a tumultuous torrent, and we staggered along under this heat and this light, in this burning, arid, desolate valley cut by this torrent of turbulent water, which seemed to be ever hurrying onward, without fertilizing the rocks, lost in this furnace which greedily drank it up without being saturated or refreshed by it. But suddenly there was visible at our right a little wooden cross sunk in a heap of stones. A man had been killed there, and I said to my companion, "'Tell me about your bandits.' He replied, "'I knew the most celebrated of them, the terrible St. Lucia. I will tell you his history.' His father was killed in a quarrel by a young man of the district, it is said, and St. Lucia was left alone with his sister. He was a weak, timid youth, small, often ill, without any energy. He did not proclaim vengeance against the assassin of his father. All his relatives came to see him and implored of him to avenge his death. He remained deaf to their menaces and their supplications. Then, following the Corsican custom, his sister, in her indignation, carried away his black clothes, in order that he might not wear mourning for a dead man who had not been avenged. He was insensible to even this affront, and rather than take down from the rack his father's gun, which was still loaded, he shut himself up, not daring to brave the looks of the young men of the district. He seemed to have even forgotten the crime, and lived with his sister in the seclusion of their dwelling. But one day the man who was suspected of having committed the murder was about to get married. St. Lucia did not appear to be moved by this news, but out of sheer bravado, doubtless, the bridegroom, on his way to the church, passed before the house of the two orphans. The brother and the sister at their window were eating frijoles when the young man saw the bridal procession going by. Suddenly he began to tremble, rose to his feet without uttering a word, made the sign of the cross, took the gun which was hanging over the fireplace, and went out. When he spoke of this later on, he said, I don't know what was the matter with me. It was like fire in my blood. I felt that I must do it, that in spite of everything I could not resist, and I concealed the gun in a cave on the road to court. 
an hour later he came back with nothing in his hand and with his habitual air of sad weariness his sister believed that there was nothing further in his thoughts but when night fell he disappeared his enemy had the same evening to repair to court on foot accompanied by his two groomsmen he was walking along singing as he went when saint lucius stood before him and looking straight in the murderer's face exclaimed now is the time and shot him point blank in the chest one of the men fled the other stared at the young man saying what have you done saint lucia and as he was about to hasten to court for help when saint lucia said in a stern tone if you move another step i'll shoot you in the leg the other aware of his timidity hitherto replied you would not dare to do it and was hurrying off when he fell instantaneously his thigh shattered by a bullet and saint lucia coming over to where he lay said i am going to look at your wound if it is not serious i'll leave you there if it is mortal i'll finish you off he inspected the wound considered it mortal and slowly reloading his gun told the wounded man to say a prayer and then shot him through the head next day he was in the mountains and do you know what this saint lucia did after this all his family were arrested by the gendarmes his uncle the cure who was suspected of having incited him to this deed of vengeance was himself put in prison and accused by the dead man's relatives but he escaped took a gun in his turn and went to join his nephew in the brush next saint lucia killed one after another his uncle's accusers and tore out their eyes to teach the others never to state what they had seen with their eyes he killed all the relatives all the connections of his enemy's family he slew during his life fourteen gendarmes burned down the houses of his adversaries and was up to the day of his death the most terrible of all the bandits whose memory we have preserved the sun disappeared behind monte cinto and the tall shadow of the granite mountain went to sleep on the granite of the valley we quickened our pace in order to reach before night the little village of albertaccio nothing but a pile of stones welded into the flanks of a stone gorge and i said as i thought of the bandit what a terrible custom your vendetta is my companion answered with an air of resignation what would you have a man must do his duty end of section 166 recording by tatiana chichilla columbus ohio